So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. This is the podcast series where we introduce a game-changing understanding of the human mind that has the power to transform any business or organization. Now, in today's episode, I have the privilege and pleasure to be joined by Kimberly Hare. And Kimberly and I are going to have a conversation about how this has made a difference to our work and that of our clients. So, welcome, Kim. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Piers. Well, thanks for your time. So, to start with, I wonder if you could give people just a little intro um, as to your background and career to date, uh, and then we'll get into um, how we've been using this understanding with our clients. Sure. Well, um, I I started out my career in people development uh, with a company called Reuters, the international news organization. Um, And I was always fascinated by all things to do with human potential, I guess. Um, And then I set up a business called Kaizen Training in the mid-80s. And between then and kind of 2010, I guess looking back, I ran a fairly traditional uh, consulting and training organization. Um, And we worked with uh, large corporate businesses um, all over the world. And I specialized particularly in leadership development, transformational leadership development, and organizational development um, and helping people to create, um, to change culture, I guess. Um, so that was, that was uh, our forte and uh, did that very, very successfully um, until 2009 when I was introduced to this understanding. I also, uh, I was known for, um, bringing neuroscience very much into my work. So the neuroscience of leadership, the neuroscience of change, and what we now understand from neuroscience about how people learn best. So I, I also wrote a couple of books uh, during that period on brain-friendly learning, so how to make learning fast and fun and fit for purpose. Yeah, so that takes me up to about 2009. So a real... Uh, wealth, uh, depths of experience and expertise in leadership development, change, culture foundation. And you, a little bit like me, then stumbled across, um, probably about the same time, actually about 2009, this understanding that I, I kind of nicknamed the quality, uh, the principles behind quality of mind. And what happened for me, and I'd love to hear about yours in a moment, Kim, is that really started to change how I saw the world and therefore uh, my work. 
So what was it in about 2009 that um, happened for you and what, was, what sort of effect did it start to have on, on for you personally and then for your work with clients? Mm. Um, well, it was a gradual process, Piers. Probably over a, a period of a couple of years, there was a sort of a transition. Um, but I, I, I'd come to the realisation um, I suppose of the the what we call the inside out nature of the human experience, um, and I just kind of felt that the the skills development, the strategies, the how tos, the techniques that I was sharing with people, whilst often useful in their own right, were actually kind of looking in the wrong direction. Um, and when people understand more about the way the mind works. Um, they're able to tap into something much more powerful than, I guess, other people's insights, <laughs> which is where all the strategies and techniques have come from. They're able to tap into their own um, innate um, wisdom, creativity, uh, because we all as human beings have this, this capacity for insight and realisation. And I just felt more and more dissatisfied with um, with that kind of outside-in approach, it just wasn't transformational enough for me or sustainable enough. And I, I kind of started to feel that actually my clients weren't, weren't getting as much bang for their buck as, as I thought they deserved. Because I, could I just talk for a few minutes about what I, what I kind of see and experience um, in a lot of my business clients. Absolutely. Go for it. That sounds great. Yeah. So, you know, if we look at what, what most businesses um, have invested in leadership development programs, process improvement initiatives, skills development workshops, you know, systems to control and manage performance, or, or maybe motivational speakers who come in and rev their people up for a few hours. And, and I just started to really question how much return businesses were getting from that spend. And, and really, everybody witnesses the problem every day. And many experience it every day at a personal level. You know, it might be uh, chronic stress or overwhelm or low energy, a lack of creative ideas, uh, you know, the, the, the dreaded organizational politics, silos, a sort of a getting through the day mentality that, that means almost everybody is performing way below their, their potential. And as we know, people who are feeling stressed can also have chronically elevated levels of, you know, the hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. So they're, they're kind of constantly on edge. And for managers and leaders, especially, you know, that can be very, bad news. And, and the good news is that once we understand that stress is something we're creating through our thinking, we can also realize that it's not inevitable and it's possible to work in environments that others would describe as highly pressured, but to stay clear and calm uh, and, and focused and to sort of tap into that creativity that we all have. So I think I started to see that we're in the midst of this kind of what I call a busy mind epidemic. And it's so common that people see it as normal, uh, as a kind of unfortunate but necessary part of doing business in the modern world. Um, but, but it is possible, and I've seen this over and over again, for people to operate 
you know, more of the time from a state of complete clarity and well-being. And when they do, every single business outcome is impacted. So I don't know, you've probably come across the formula P equals P minus I, where little P stands for performance, big P stands for potential, and I stands for interference. And interference mm. is, is always thought. It can mean feeling stressed or overwhelmed at the amount they seem to have to do, or people feeling distracted or resentful because of something that happened in a meeting last week feeling anxious about something that's coming up or just worrying about something in their personal lives. And it could even mean not mentioning the great new idea they've had because trust is not high between them and their boss. Or it could simply mean, you know, poor engagement and motivation, politics, withholding, kind of hiding, not fully engaging, not fully showing up and not really listening. So kind of not operating at their full mental horsepower if you like um, yeah I, th I think there's um i just want to pause you there because there's so much to un unwrap in what you said already um that i, I want to dive into some of this because there's some there's some really interesting points that you're you're bringing out kim and i think you know firstly the sort of normalized mindedness therefore low productivity low performance low well-being workplace that a lot of us um, sort of exist in, but it's normalized, so we don't really notice it. Yeah. I mean, we can notice yeah. it when it gets really bad, yeah. you know, and people will have sort of um, even issues with their own physical well-being or mental well-being. But a lot of it is completely normalized out there. Yeah. Um, and actually, the bar's quite low, and it isn't until we recognize what's on the other side of it that we, we start to notice that we can perform with more clarity and connection, resilience, and creativity. Now, I'm really interested in what was it, because you, you were noticing this going on, you, you, you'd spotted this going on. What was it that made you drop everything else you were doing? I, I realized it wasn't literally one day, it was over, over a period of time. Yeah. But, and thought, hang on a minute, I now have a different way I want to do this and I don't want to do what I was doing, and I yeah. want to do it a different way to help people with this, this, this challenge that's very normalized in the workplace. So well, what was it that you saw, and what was different about how you work now to before? Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> what I saw was that organizations already function according to the quality and the clarity of, of, you know, the quality of thinking of their people. Mm. And, and you've only really got to stop for a second and think about the challenges that, that clients um, talk about and face and, you know, the, the reasons why they wanted to bring me in in the first place. Because, but, but the trouble is that organizations tend to treat all that as though it's a skill-based problem, but it isn't. And that's what I saw. It's mm -hmm. a function of the quality and clarity of people's thinking. And it's got nothing to do with intelligence and I started to see that more skills training isn't the answer. In a way, I was just adding to the noise that people already had in their heads. I give you a, I give you a classic example. You know, if you take something like rapport and connection, um, I used to run a course called, um, you know, how to create rapport with anyone like fast, you know, <laughs> kind of, and um, it was so funny because, I would teach them all of these strategies and how-tos. And, and, and what I saw, you know, what I see now is 
actually that was all just getting in the way of the completely natural connection that exists all by itself mm. between human beings when they don't have a lot of noise in their head. And um, so in a way, I was kind of <laughs> very innocently, um, uh, you know, adding to, the, adding to the problem. And so I think more skills training isn't the answer, you know, and you could send a hundred of your leaders on the best leadership program in the world. And the impact it would have sustainably would still vary along a bell curve, depending on the individual leader's emotional resilience and understanding of the way life works and the way that their, their mind works. Um, and it affects every aspect of performance, sales, profitability, customer service, teamwork, problem solving, you know, how much people get done in a day, what gets learned from mistakes, and how well people listen to each other and the, the quality of relationships um, in the business. So it was kind of like, why don't we just go straight to the essence rather, mm. than, rather than adding all of these kind of, all of this other stuff on top. So I see this as a, you know, a, quite a subtractive understanding and it's insight-based as opposed to information or strategy-based. And I just thought, you know, especially as I was kind of approaching the autumn of my years by this point, I, I thought, you know, I just, I don't want to kind of mess around at the edges anymore. I really want to go straight for what I know makes the, makes the biggest difference, not only to the business, but also to people's lives. And that's why I call my business now the heart of thriving, because for me, it's about waking people up in all aspects of their life. So was it fair to say though that because it was for me that before I saw this understanding I thought I was doing the best I possibly could I, I thought some of those skills based things some of those rapport based activities or whatever you know and, and NLP and positive psychology and, and yeah. all that stuff was, was the best I had to offer and it wasn't till I saw this understanding which we'll talk about in a mo that I realized that it wasn't getting to the essence. So the, so the essence moved for me, you know. So yes, um, yes, I wasn't deliberately not giving me my best stuff. I just didn't realise it. Was that true for you as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I thought we were, we were doing really, uh, you know, cutting edge um, stuff that was, you know, and, and it wasn't that it didn't make a difference. I, you know, lots of raving fan testimonials over the years, but... Um, I just started to see that this was, um, I don't know, faster, more direct and, and more pervasive, as I say. So, you know, once people see this understanding, they haven't got to go on, you know, a million different courses for different things because um, it's like that metaphor of, you know, all boats rising with the tide. So rather than or now you have to go on an influencing skill course, or now you have to go on another leadership course, or now you have to go on a listening skills course. It's like it cuts through all of that because this understanding raises the level of the whole, um, you know, ocean or river, if you like, and all the boats go up with it because people are operating from this natural uh, creativity, connectedness, um, and, and well-being, and that just kind of shines through everything that they do. And they're able to navigate life, including their work life, in a way that's much, um, 
It means that they're, they're, they're more present more of the time to what's actually going on rather than, rather than a whole load of, of, of thinking about what's going on. It's like they, they're actually there. <laughs> yeah. And, and for people who are listening going, gosh, that sounds wonderful. I wonder if we can just help them describe what is the heart of this work? What is the essence? What's the nub? of this understanding? How would you describe that in a succinct way? Hmm. Gosh. Not an easy question, I realise, Kim, sorry. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably uh, go for kind of two, two main things. Number one, um, contrary to, I suppose, the way most people, uh, if they think of the mind at all, um, this is pointing to the to the fact that our mind operates inside out rather than outside in. In other words, we're living in the feeling of our thinking moment to moment, not the feeling of the world out there or other people or external circumstances. So we are, um, you know, the, the predominant metaphor often for the mind has been that it's like a camera. Uh, and, and, and it's kind of recording what's going on, and then we choose how we respond to that. This understanding points to the fact that the mind actually, metaphorically, is much more like a projector. So we are literally creating and constructing our experience moment to moment through, through the principle of thought. So that's the first thing, and that has some pretty profound implications. I know, you know, these days it's, it's getting more and more mainstream to see the, the, the central role um, of thought in our human experience. But for me, that, you know, it, that has been a game changer. So hmm. um, that's number one. Number two is kind of even better news, which is that we are we, we have an innate capacity for thriving, for resilience, for well-being, for creativity, for this natural connection with other people. Um, that's built into the system. It's like the factory setting. And the only thing that ever takes us away from that is thought in the moment. And the more people see those two things for themselves insightfully, the more they tend to thrive, both professionally and personally. Uh, I love your description and I think it's it's um there's, there's so much in what you said I think what I would draw listeners attention to is that because there can be a bit of a so what number one okay so you know the mind works as a projector not as a camera or not even as a camera plus photoshop what's the so what to that well the so what to that is that once someone recognizes that for themselves insightfully it allows them to have the capacity and the aperture for number two which is this wonderful inbuilt uh intelligence wisdom creativity clarity we have so it's our ability to see the first point that allows us to have the second point um because other, otherwise it's just like well okay I'm, i've still got all the same stuff the fact is coming from my mind rather than the outside world so what? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. it's and, and the other thing I think you said, which is so key, and maybe you can say a little bit more about this, is you, you said the word when we insightfully realize this. Yeah. Now, tell me a bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah, and this is, um, I mean, I certainly struggled with this at the beginning of my journey, if you like, in this understanding, because it's not like anything 
I'd kind of immersed myself in before or, 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 or learned before. It's not a, as I said, it's not information based and it's not strategy based. There are no how tos. It's, um, it's falling out of, as you, I love the way you use the word aperture there. It's falling out of this kind of um, noisy head into this peace of mind and clarity and well-being. And when we do, um, we find we just have a far greater capacity than most people realize for insight. Literally, you know, sights from within. I had a client, a CEO, who was kind of falling over from stress. I thought, you know, he was very close to his heart attack or something. Came to see me and he said, it's like the theme tune from the movie Psycho is playing in my head (laughs) 24-7. Make it it stop. And it it has stopped now, um, fortunately. But it kind of doesn't, not because of anything I told him or, or not because of anything that, you know, I gave him as like, here are the seven steps you must do. Um, it came from understanding how the system works. And when we do that, our thinking looks less real. It's not scary. Um, as I say, we, I often think about thinking like, you know, that I call it ticker tape, like if you want to. CNN or something, that writing that's going along the bottom all the time. It's like that still happens. You, you know, I mean, thinking is, we're thinking creatures. It's not suddenly that you stop thinking. But you take it all much, much less seriously. And your, your gaze, if you like, is on what's actually happening in the main picture <laughs> in your life or in your work rather than um, just you know, reading this ticker tape the whole time, which means that you're 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 not fully present. You're not fully in relationship with other people, um, and you make you know we all make things up all the time about what did that mean? What did that look my boss just gave me mean? And we create stories about it, and then we live in the story, and it looks really really true. So the the process of insight is kind of Again, it's subtractive rather than additive. It's like all of our, this was certainly the case for me and for many of my clients, it's, it's, it's like what happens is that your sort of patterns of thinking, you know, because we all have habitual places we go to with our thinking. I think it was Chopra that said, you know, the amazing thing about human beings is we have something like 95,000 thoughts a day. God knows how they mm. measure but the disappointing thing is 95% of them are the same ones we had yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so we do have these kind of habits of thinking. And um, what this understanding and the insights people have seems to allow is for those to start dissolving. So you're actually seeing things much more as they are rather than with the the story superimposed on top of them. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, oh, totally. And um, can relate to so much to what you're saying. And I think one of the things that was amazing for me was when I first got into this understanding was quite how effortless and powerful it was at one level. So the idea that 
you just realize something and it makes a difference was, was kind of new on me because normally I would kind of have a strategy or a tool or a technique. And I remember being told at the time, well, there's something else that we're tapping into here, which is beyond your psychology. Yeah. Which didn't really make sense to me at one level. And then I kind of realized, well, okay, we're talking about something that is beyond the form, that is, that if you want to call it spiritual, the source, whatever. Now, I didn't used to think that really had a role in day-to-day, particularly not day-to-day business world. I thought that was quite nice for maybe the odd weekend retreat to go and explore, but it, how would that help me day-to-day? And now I see... I find it amazing that I hadn't seen it before and recognize where the real power is coming from in this is that we all have this in us anyway, this capacity for this insight and this realization. And all you and I are doing and our colleagues is just sort of tapping people on the shoulder and helping them to wake up to it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of like we're pointing at something that's always been true and, um, and if people look where we're pointing, they'll see it because it's there. Absolutely. And, and, and that makes the change, once it happens at a realisation level, so sustainable and pervasive and without the kind of constant rowing, which I, you know, sort yes. of day-to-day toil of trying to psychologically manage what's going on for you. Yes. Um, yes. So at one level it can look like a lot of other things that are out there in the world of, you know, sort of performance or well-being or problem solving or whatever. But actually, it's foundationally based on something much more upstream. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry. Just, just, sorry, did you you carry on? Well, I was just going to, you know, a drawing I sometimes do for, for my business clients is, you know, if we just take the, 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 the notion of, idea generation or problem solving and you imagine you know a tiny little square um at at the top left of the flip chart and you can imagine to use a computing analogy that that's like our hard drive Mm -hmm. right and and so that's all of the things that are known that we that are currently known we've come across them before in this tiny little hard drive but what what people don't see until they do and this is fantastically important in business um, is that we also have, metaphorically, we have the World Wide Web, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, and that's where all of the kind of fresh, new, creative, out of the blue kind of ideas come from. They're not coming from the hard drive. They're not coming from the already known by definition. They're coming from the, you know, that which was unknown until a second ago when you, when you had the idea. And, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people I've asked this question, they always say the same thing. When I say, where do you get your best ideas? It's never when you're sitting there analyzing and worrying and scratching your head about it. It's always when you're in the shower or you're driving or you're walking in a forest or, you know, there is, there is, and and whether we want to, you know, the, the, the best leaders, the most enlightened leaders already know about that capacity because that's probably what's helped get them to to where they are. And it's especially vital for leaders in business, I think, because whether they're doing it consciously or not, they're modelling the way for others. And, you know, a culture is created from a series of shared stories and, and leaders are constantly weaving their stories of the way they think life works 
into the very fabric of the organization. Their, you know, their state of mind, their presence, the way they live their espoused values or don't. <laughs> um, you know, all of these things are really big predictors of the culture of the whole organization. So for me, it's especially important that leaders get this because it's, as you said at the beginning, it's a complete game changer. And I think one thing that's fascinatingly interesting because of the, because that source is beyond psychology, beyond the known, this isn't just an understanding that helps people go from, you know, bad to good. You know, it's, it's not a remedial thing. No. This can help you go from bad to good, good to great, great to wonderful, wonderful to I didn't even know that could exist. And because you sometimes get people when I talk to them, they go, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I probably don't need it, but I think so-and-so does, right? Yeah. Now, my point to that is that, and I remember having a client quite early on in this understanding who was a very successful kind of business angel, venture capitalist person. And he was doing very nicely, thank you. He was thriving on many cents, you know, internally and externally. But he loved his understanding because he realized, oh, it's not luck. Yeah. I just happened to have sort of fallen in line with understanding anyway, although I didn't know it. I've now kind of joined the dots and it makes sense to me what I was doing, right? So he was one of these people that just kind of intuitively knew it as, as you were pointing to. And that, that made him go from great to even more wonderful. So I think that's the lovely thing about it. It's not just the people who are not doing so well, although it obviously sometimes gets pointed there. <laughs> um, I, I, I often use a kind of a medical analogy of, you know, you imagine kind of a line that goes not sick and then you've got a whole load of gradations below that, you know, sicker, 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 dead. Mm. <laughs> um, but there's also a line in health that goes the other way, you know, more and more healthy, more and more healthy. And I think the same thing's true here. I mean, I know for me, if you'd have met me um, before 2009, I would have said completely authentically that I had a wonderful life. I, you know, I had this great business. I was doing work that I loved. I was surrounded with, you know, loving relationships, um, lots of wealth, lots of traveling all over the world. You know, I thought I'd got this thing sussed. Um, and all I can say looking back is I had no idea what was on offer. None. Well, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great segue into something because we're, we're funny enough becoming towards the end of time. Doesn't it fly when you're having fun? And, and I'd love to know your, your sort of shortish answer to this question. If, if someone's listening to this or they've been told to listen to this and they're saying, well, that all sounds very nice. That's great. But I don't think that's for us. What would you say to them? I would say just don't take our word for it. Just look for yourself. Look for yourself um, and begin to become even more aware of what it's like to be you on a bad day and where you, where you suppose that's coming from and what it's like to be you on a good day and where you suppose that's come, coming from. And, and just kind of notice what, you know, the differences between those two. And because your skill level is the same on both days, but your quality of mind is very different. 
I think absolutely. And, and, and realize that you can reduce that gap, you know, between the bad and the good day and even actually take the lid off what the good day looks like. I think which your point before absolutely yeah. summed up what we just don't realize. And, and that was true for me as well. And, and I think the other thing that I always try and get clients or potential clients to see is for, for just the way society and conditioning is set up, and particularly the business world, which is very focused on tangible results and what you can see and what you know and what has empirical evidence behind it, this does require a moment of you pressing pause and all that to explore the what looks invisible at the moment that doesn't look like there's much there. Yeah. And then once you see it, it all kind of starts to happen. So it, it is about just taking your foot off the gas just for a moment and pressing pause um, to stare at something or explore something that you don't normally. Yeah. And, and then the dividends will, will really come through. Um, so thank you for your time, uh, Kim, and, and for your insights. Now, if people want to check out what you do, um, I know you've got your business heart of thriving. Is there a website or what's the best way of yes. checking you out? Yes, it's heart of thriving, all one word, and heart as in the organ in your chest, heartofthriving.com. Great. And, and I would recommend that, you know, to, to check out um, Kim's stuff. She's very generous as well with what she puts out for free in terms of Facebook groups and you can join things and, and lots of uh, really wonderful stuff that she's doing there, all based around this, this understanding. Um, so thank you so much for your, your time, Kim. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and I hope people get to, they enjoy listening to you as, as much as I did. And so if anyone is interested in reaching out to, to Kim or myself, um, to us at Making Change Work, all the information will be on the show notes. So have fun, stay curious, and tune in next time. Thank you, Piers. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.